This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, whether that's Rovers throwing in a drab nil-nil in the Championship or taking Newcastle all the way to a penalty shootout in the fifth round of the FA Cup, You'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So, the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants 18+. plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Be warned. The ones who pick up a refreshingly cold drink from McDonald's and people see just how refreshingly cold that drink from McDonald's is, you may create drink envy. Because there are drinks, then there are drinks from McDonald's. For a morning brew that really creates a stir, get any size iced coffee, including caramel and French vanilla, for just 99 cents before 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. At Arizona State University, we offer a wide variety of degree programs online to match all kinds of interests and career aspirations. Programs that are taught by the same notable faculty who teach on campus and designed using innovative technology to improve learning outcomes and equip you for post-graduation success. That's why 87% of ASU online graduates indicated they were promoted at work or received an increase in salary after earning their degree. Find your program at asuonline.asu.edu. Hi, I'm Matt Janssen, and you're listening to the BRFCS Podcast. The New York Rovers would like to welcome you to the BRFCS.com podcast, covering the 2019-2020 Blackburn Rovers Championship campaign, hosted by Ian Herbert and joined by some very special guests. Don't forget to check out the forum here at BRFCS.com to continue the discussion. Grandad, Grandad, I've got a fantastic idea. Huh, Mr. Morbury going to be signing a player who can take a corner, is he? No, not at all. It's a super offer for all the B-Burn boys and girls out there. If you go to this terrorstore.com, you can get loads and loads of B-Burn mugs, white and blue. You could even get, you know, Benno or Daki and Liv. You can customise them however you want, as long as you use BRFCS at the checkout. Huh. So, once again, Stuart Metcalf cruelly overlooked. Who? Welcome to the BRFCS podcast. In this special edition, we've got an exclusive interview with former Rovers left-back Tommy Spur. He tells us all about his time at Sheffield Wednesday, Doncaster Rovers, and of course with our own Blackburn Rovers, before his career was cruelly cut short at Preston North End. We find out what it was like playing alongside Tom Kearney, Jordan Rhodes, as well as being managed by the likes of Gary Megson and Gary Bowyer.
It's my great pleasure to welcome as our special guest on this episode of the BRFCS podcast, former Rovers left-back Tommy Spur. Tommy, thank you for giving up the time. How are you this evening? Yeah, I'm really good, thank you. Um, just looking after my little boy, so yeah, all good. Well, if we hear any any noises in the background and you suddenly rush off, we'll <laughs> we'll let you get on with that and sort him out. Hopefully he won't disturb you too much. So, when you were a little boy, growing up in Leeds, who were your boyhood team? When I was really, really small, um, my dad used to take me and my sister to watch Leeds. Um, however, that that kind of changed um, when I started um, training with Sheffield Wednesday and we actually used to go to their games when I was about eight year old. And at that point, they were in the Premier League and when Hills was full, he kind of <laughs> fell in love with it a little bit. So, um, yeah, I ended up, Ended up more or less following uh, Sheffield Wednesday when I was younger. How did that go down in West Yorkshire then? Because there is a bit of a West Yorkshire <laughs> South Yorkshire divide, is there not? Uh, a little bit, yeah. I think I think some of my mates at school were a bit like, obviously, didn't really realise probably. Well, no, I don't think anyone did realise what what was going to happen. Where it ended up actually realising your dream and going to put going to actually play on Hillsborough every every other week thought, yeah. um, so a little bit a little bit strange <laughs> at first probably <laughs> so who who will be in that side then who who were the 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 standout players in that team Di Canio Carboni oh, of course uh, yes Des Walker <laughs> Kevin Pressman um, the legendary Pressman were you at that game when uh, Di Canio and Paul Alcock and I was yes <laughs> <laughs> um, interesting one obviously or only only really young then, but um, it, is, it is something you remember, unfortunately. But, um, but yeah, it, that was kind of the start of the demise after that, more or less. I think they got relegated to soon after it, anyway. <laughs> it all fell down thereafter, literally after Paul Orco. Yeah. That's got to be one of the funniest things I think I've ever, I've ever seen. Obviously, I wasn't there physically, but certainly it, I think it must have appeared on all those um, special videos at the end of the season and stuff like that. With the, oh, yeah, the way oh, it went down in stages. Yes. Was, Comic had a player gone down like that, he would have been given a yellow card for simulation without doubt. There's no, uh, yeah, no yeah. doubt about that. I think I've gone down in stages a few times like that. <laughs> I've been tired at end of games. It was, it was very, very good. So I, you were attached to Wednesday at, at the young age of, of eight years old. Yeah, but at that stage, academies were like centre of excellences, so you weren't actually allowed to play games until you were 10 years old. So I was just right. playing Sunday League and training with uh, Sheffield Wednesday because they got uh, got me in just training, even though I were still a bit young. Yeah. Um, and then didn't actually start playing games until I was 10, 11 years old. Right. Um, the, like the academy team as as it is now. So yeah, that were that were basically it. But I, I was gutted to leave my Sunday league team. I I loved it. It were it were great. So that were uh, my first testing bit really when playing football was leaving my Sunday league team because I didn't really want to leave. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure there, I suppose. And I, I presume you were pretty good. Well, I, I don't know. I was a central midfielder, so I don't know how. Good, oh really, Mid- how midfield good. playmaker. Yeah, I played played centre midfield till I was sixteen. Wow! Um, and then I only got given a scholarship at Sheffield Wednesday on the basis of me playing centre back. It was kind of a bit of a change, obviously, when when I got to sixteen, and they kind of said, "Look, you're not kind of good enough to play centre midfield." And 
you have to you'll have to play centre back. We want to try you there. So, yeah, which I'm thankful for because out of that a career, career was done. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's it. It's really interesting. As late as that, as well as that. Age. So, which which coach was it at Wednesday that that spotted that potential? It was, it was Mark Smith. He's a former um, Sheffield Wednesday player. He actually, it's, it's he's quite well known. He scored in a song Sheffield Wednesday sings about. Um, Boxing Day massacre when yeah. they beat Sheffield United and he scored a penalty, I think. So he was, and he was a centre half, a left left sided centre half. So I think he's seen a little bit, obviously, in me. Yeah. yeah, a little bit, yeah. Yeah, I'm forever grateful for, for his help because he, he, did, he did help us quite a bit and spent a bit of time speaking to me as well. So, so yeah, I'm thankful for that. So, what were your first impressions then when you, you actually signed for Wednesday and you knew you were going to be a professional footballer? Well, the, fir- the first bit was obviously when you, you're at school and you're 11 and you get called in in like April or whatever it is and they're telling you whether you're not you're going to get a scholarship and that was just I just remember getting out of room and as as sad as it sounds like obviously it's you're getting closer to your dream at that point and that felt like a massive yeah quite emotional to be honest it was me and my dad that were in in the room when they told us and we got out and just remember both of us just grabbing hold of each other and as if to be like, this is the start of. It's getting a bit serious now. It's not yeah. just a bit of. It's not just a bit of fun where you think, oh, it might happen. It's like, oh, this is real. So that was quite intense, and especially at that age when then when you do leave, we literally finished our GCSEs and then literally started training the next the next week. Um, for pre-season as a first-year scholar, so so you didn't even get the summer off. The joy of so like finishing your no, exams and having the no, summer off. No, and to make it worse, I had to go live with a family as well um, in Diggs. So oh, right. I moved out of me out of my family home and went and lived in Sheffield. So did you have to live a certain radius from the ground? Was that one of the? Uh, no, it was just obviously I couldn't get in to train because I lived in Leeds and travelling to Sheffield. I right. had to stay with my family um, in Diggs, and they were great. Um, really supportive, and they went went not far from 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 training ground, and no, it was it was, it was difficult at times because I'm a family person, so every opportunity I got, I'd go home. But no, my my scholars were were good. I enjoyed them. And what what about actually making your debut then? So the first time that somebody pulls you to side and say you're in, you're in on Saturday. When did, when did you find out? I found out, so there were two games left of the season. The Sheffield ones had just stayed up because um, they'd been promoted the year before via the playoffs at Cardiff. They beat Hartlepool after extra time yeah, um, and then stayed up in Championship. There were two games left and Paul Sturrock, put, I'd been in and around it for quite a quite a while like in the squads or on the bench and never quite happened. And then Paul Sturrock pulled me and said, oh, like, you're going to play on Saturday. So it gave me a few days to, to get my head around it. But I was actually going to start at centre-back. Then a left-back went went off injured after five minutes. And hence how I've stayed at left-back for the majority of my career. Crikey, another act of fate like that then. I know. It would, like I say, it was, I never never played there before in my life. And we played Reading and they'd won the league by, I think they got 100 points. I just remember being stood in tunnel coming out and I think I was stood next to Sonko, a big centre half. Yeah, he yeah. was absolutely yeah. massive. I just remember looking up at him thinking, oh my God. <laughs> like, <laughs> all of them, they were just all big blokes and I'm this skinny kid. And I was like, oh, wow, this is going to be different. But ended up doing doing all right on my debut. And 
it was great because it was the last home game of the season and he kind of walked around the pitch afterwards and yeah. it was kind of like a perfect scenario, really. And you've got even the summer to reflect on it. Yeah, yeah. We had one more game after that and I played at Derby the week after, um, which again were another good one because obviously you, you've been to Derby. It's always a good atmosphere and yeah. a good stadium and it was like, oh, wow, this is brilliant. So... Yeah, it started off really well. But of course, it's not all wine and roses, is it? And occasionally, a new manager comes in and he might not like the look of you. Um, <laughs> Gary Megson, the ginger Mourinho? <laughs> my best mate. Um, no, I tried um, to be diplomatic in my language there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not bothered. Now I'm not playing, I can say what I think. Um, no, I didn't like him. It was, it was difficult because I'd been like, obviously well-liked there. And loved it there, to be honest. Played a lot of games and then he comes in and instantly just pulled me and said, you're not in I'm like, all right. But then I managed to get in the team. But for some reason, he played me right back. Uh, <laughs> I, people beg to differ, but I can actually use my right foot. But, <laughs> but obviously it's not... It's, it's a not bit alien. As good as the left. No, it's a bit alien playing on on the opposite side of the pitch when you've been used to playing. Yeah, I know some people will struggle to understand that, but it's like your body shape and movements are all just all opposite to what you used to. Yeah. Um, but anyway, eventually, eventually left me out again. I actually went to see him, but he wouldn't see me, he wouldn't speak to me. So I was like, okay. Um, so I just got on with training and and things like that, and then. One day, I think it was snowing or something, and the the lads had been told to go to the ground, but I'd not been told by anybody. So I was like, where is everyone? And then the, the secretary said, oh, you're not allowed to train with squad. And I'm like, all right, why? I don't know. It, it, it didn't give her a reason either. So I, I went... find that absolutely astonishing. Yeah, well, it was, it, it was more frustrating for me because I think anyone at the time, I'm not like a bad egg or anything like that yeah. where... I'll I'll just if anything if I'm not playing I'll I'll work even harder to try and yeah. prove you wrong. I think that's yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that perhaps was a downfall of mine at times. I, I probably too much of a I wanted people to like me when I were when I were younger, and it wasn't until I got a little bit older where I realised you're not going to please everyone. But as a young lad, I wanted I wanted to be liked, and I wanted him to think I was good and blah blah blah. But anyway, and then. So I asked the academy manager if I could train with them, so that was fine. And then I got a phone call off the club secretary again about a week later saying, you're not allowed to train with them either. So Did like, the PFA not get involved in situations like that? No, like, like I say, it was the first time anything like that had ever happened to me because I'd always got on well with, with managers, so yeah. it was a bit different. So I'm confused and what have you, so I went home and then I got a phone call off the goalkeeping coach saying you've got to play in a reserve game. I said, okay, yeah, no worries. But it was with the under-16s. Uh, <laughs> They're drop, dropping less than subtle hints I at know, this point. Yeah, but anyway, I thought, I'm just going to do it and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run about and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kick people if I have to. I'm going I'm yeah. to play as well as I can. Take it seriously. Yeah, and, and, and I did, and I, I did really well. We played, I remember it, because obviously it's an important thing to me, I remember Port Vale and they had quite a few first-team lads playing. Um, obviously, I was just with kids, and I weren't even old myself, so we were a bit. Um, but anyway, I'd done done really well. But then after that, it was kind of, I'd realised, obviously, with hindsight, it was trying to make me say, I, I, like, I want to leave." Yeah, I wouldn't. I was never going to do that because 
I had three years left on my contract. I would just, I'm like, I loved it. I loved it at Sheffield. I loved playing for the club, so I, I were never going like, to tarnish the, sort of, the boat. Yeah, yeah, like tarnish what I'd kind of got to by saying oh, I want to leave and cause a fuss because that weren't my my sort of style. So, yeah. Um, so yeah. Anyway, just said right. You're not allowed even at the games or at the training ground. You just not to come in. And this was this was in the end of March. So there's still like a month left of the season. So I was like, what am I going to do? <laughs> so I just <laughs> stayed at home. I just didn't do anything. Obviously, trained, trained just by myself, just going for runs and things like that. But I, I weren't allowed in. What so, a way to deal with people. I know. He just wouldn't speak to us. So for all the bravado that he gave yeah. in terms of how he spoke to people, yeah, he couldn't have a, a grown-up conversation with someone who perhaps... I don't, I don't know, like, who might have, I would, I would have never done it in a disrespectful way, but I'd have had a conversation about it and just found out, look, what, what, yeah. what's your issue? But he just, he wouldn't go there. So I never got that opportunity. But in hindsight now, it's the best thing probably that could have happened to me because moving away from, from Wednesday actually pushed my career on a little bit. Yeah. Um, so let's, let's, so let's turn to that chapter then. <laughs> So yeah. Doncaster Rovers, yeah. Thanks. Were, when Wednesday won, the, first he said I can go for free, but then a couple of clubs came in and they said they wanted a fee, and Doncaster paid the fee that they wanted, and it was interesting at Doncaster the first season. Really interesting. A couple, uh, a couple of people, obviously. I think you'll 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 know El Hadjouf, and yeah, uh, <laughs> there were another another lad that I think was. I don't know how many games he played for for Rovers, but he was a big French guy, Harold something or other. Harold Goulon. Yeah, he came on loan. Um, Pascal Chimbonda, Harita Alunga, Picion. That was at West Ham. It was it was mental, honestly. Um, happy. Who was the manager at Doncaster then? Uh, Sean O'Driscoll to start with, and then yeah. Dean Saunders came in and oh, signed okay. signed all these players. Uh, right. <laughs> Say it no was more. it was Habib Bay flew in on a Saturday morning for the home games from Paris, played the game, then flew home, and we didn't see him <laughs> all week. Honestly, it was the most ridiculous scenario ever. But Dean Saunders liked liked me because I played well for him, so yeah, I, I, it was all right with me. But with with some of the other lads, it was diff- really difficult with, and some of the things he'd, he'd say was just ridiculous. Like we we couldn't say anything to the to the French lads because they've played in the Premier League and we haven't and blah blah blah. It was honestly it was just something completely different. But then we got relegated that season, and then all the French lads left. So he was stuck with the core lads that was that was left. We only had like ten lads under contract. Yeah. So he needed us then. So he yeah. completely changed the year after, and like I think the lads ended up liking him. A lot more because he kind of realised that he needed us, and obviously we started to see we were top of the league, and then he left to go to Wolves. <laughs> <laughs> so it's football, isn't it? So how how did the the move to Rovers come about? The proper Rovers, that is, not the Doncaster yeah. version. How, not the Don- who first expressed interest, and how did you first hear about Blackburn being uh, keen to sign you? Well, I was out of contract at Doncaster. We just won yeah. the league, and they were. They were um, in the middle of going through a takeover, so they said to me, "Look, wait, and we'll offer you a better contract when we've got taken over." Yeah. So I'm like, okay, so I've done all pre-season, and I'd not heard not heard anything 
at all about Blackburn. So I think it got to like the Tuesday before the start of the season and I'd still not not signed anything with Doncaster and it was actually a physio that uh, Mark Palmer that used to be at Blackburn who I was with at Sheffield Wednesday texted me randomly saying oh I'm I'm hearing people are speaking about you and I'm like what what are you on about and then my agent rang me saying oh um Blackburn have offered you a contract I'm like all right great <laughs> so I just went in and said look if the contract's not sorted I'm I'm going to Blackburn and literally next day next day came for a medical and then Doncaster rang me offering me more money to stay at Doncaster but I just I said I'll, I'm here and look at the training ground and like yeah. the potential that was there that was at Blackburn was far greater and I thought if if I'm ever going to get a chance to get promoted like to the Premier League it'll be here at Blackburn so yeah it was it was an opportunity I couldn't turn down so so yeah that's how it worked out so what did you know about the club beforehand or any of the players there I didn't know anyone at the club in terms of players yeah um and I was a bit apprehensive about it to be honest because um obviously some names that are quite big names um in terms of my level of of playing and I knew obviously a lot of a lot of lads were on a lot of money and and things like that so a little bit intimidating at first and obviously knowing the season was I think my first training session was on the Friday we played the 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 first game of the season on the Sunday, we were on the telly against Derby. So I knew, obviously, I wasn't even expecting to play, to be honest, but we did 11 v 11 and it was, um, the standard was was brilliant. I was like, I came off thinking, oh, wow, this is a good, <laughs> they've got some good players here. You could tell, obviously, with, with the names that, that were in the squad that it was just a talented, a talented group. So yeah, I was absolutely buzzing after my first journey session that I were involved with, with players players like that. Looking at that squad, I think there are, there are many Rovers fans that uh, will say that's the season that got away from us if we were going to go back. And at the end at the end of the season we were only a couple of points away I think from the playoff places, but even now if you look at that squad and compare it to the squad that we've got today, as you say there's some big names in there, yourself of course, but Paul <laughs> Robinson, David Dunn, um mm. Rhodes Mm. Kearney, uh, Tom, Tom Kearney, of course, will probably come back and torture us on Saturday again. <laughs> yeah, Ben, ben Marshall. I mean, uh, he, he's just made a big money move, hasn't he? Ben Marshall? <clears throat> yeah, have you seen him signing for that pub team in Bolton? <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> Honestly, it's so frustrating because he's he's got so much ability and he's he's a really good lad as well. And he's, yeah. it's frustrating, obviously, when you think oh, I can't play again, and he's got the talent and an ability ability to be able to do anything he wanted, really do things on on a football pitch that would just make you go, "Oh wow!" So um. yeah, it was on Twitter, I think, just after Christmas. Oh, um, right. <laughs> so I think Nor- Norwich freed him last summer, I think. Yeah, from memory. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at first, there were people sort of saying, "Oh, it's a spoof, it's a lookalike, or whatever." But no, it's genuinely him. There was an item in the uh, in the Lancashire Telegraph. And I think he's just signed to to keep fit. I think it's his mates, but they're, they're you know they're playing like the West Manchester League or something like that. Right, Stone Clough FC, <laughs> <laughs> that prestigious side. So uh, yeah, other players have got onto bigger and better things. So uh, Jordan Rhodes, is he as nice a guy as he appears? He, he can't possibly be, can he? He is. Yeah, um, I actually seen him 
um, last week when Sheffield Wednesday played Wigan. I've seen him before the game and yeah, he's he's just exactly the same. I obviously worked with his dad at Sheffield Wednesday, so there's a little bit of a connection there and yeah. he was obviously one of the first ones that, that makes a massive effort to make sure you're all right and yeah. and things like that. So no, it was he's a great lad and an unbelievable goal scorer. I find him really, really difficult to describe because until until he signed for us, you just saw these ridiculous statistics for Huddersfield. And people would ask me, well, you know, has he got pace? Well, no, not really. Is he good in the air? Well, no, not really. You know, has, has he got great strength? Well, no, not really. How does he score all those goals? I'm not entirely sure. But I no, think he just well, had the knack of being in the right place and a lethal finisher. Yeah, he's, um, I remember Chris Taylor, I was speaking about Chris Taylor when, when I first joined. He said, like, because I think he were obviously buzzing to obviously sign for, for Blackburn from where he'd come from. And we were just obviously talking about how good some of the lads were and saying, oh, like, what's Rhodesy been like in pre-season? He said, oh, he's not scored. I said, I don't think he's scored in training. And then season started and I think he were on like eight goals by <laughs> games or something. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> his, his movement in the box is massively like underrated. I think obviously it's hard, difficult sometimes when, you, when you're watching from the stands because you're following where the ball is. You don't yeah. see his, his movements, but obviously. Yeah playing against him afterwards and, and training with him, his, his little movements in the box. He, he finds space and, and he knows where to be. And like I say, he's got a calm head to be able to finish it as well. It's absolutely. You know, the, I think the most clinical finisher we've had since Shearer is just uh, obviously a fundamentally different player, but uh, extraordinary. It's such a shame that it, it's just never quite happened for him uh, after he left Rovers, I think. Uh, it didn't work for him at Middlesbrough nor at Norwich, and he's, oh, he seems to be stuck a little bit at Sheffield Wednesday. But when they pick him against Nottingham Forest, he scored four goals. Oh, no, it's um, it's a difficult one. I think I think it, it, it needs to be played for me, just Jordan, because for what it might not give you, everyone's got this idea of like being a complete player where they come and come and drop off and link play. He's just a goal scorer. And yeah. you play him and he'll score your goals. And you might have to accept some... He might go through a run of five, six games where he won't score, but he'll still get you 20, 25 goals a season, which is a return that's... like It gives you a chance, put it that way, yeah. of, of doing yeah, well, well that's in that season. What will we give for that now? With Bradley <laughs> tax injury. And there, there are some... Yeah, I think the but, fans would have had a whip round in January to pay his wages, frankly, just to get him back and cover that gap. <laughs> Now, I'm going to ask you a question to which I, th- I think I know the answer, unless you've changed your mind in the intervening two months since we spoke at Radio Lancashire, but the most skillful player that you played with? The best player that in that squad, I'd say, 100%, was Tom Kearney. That's the uh, boy. Absolutely, just unbelievably talented. Quicker than perhaps people give him credit for as well. He can he can get around, um, but technically he's just on a different in a, in a different league. He's a, he's a Premier League player for me, he's... He's so comfortable on the ball, and I think in training, if if you were on his team in possession and things, you'd you'd be laughing. But if you were against him, you'd you'd won't see the ball. You couldn't get the ball off him. Um, yeah. He he could run games when when he wanted to as well. It's it was it was just a, a class act, wasn't he? And, and I, I can see him doing doing it in the Premier League. Although Fulham did get relegated, I think he was struggling with injuries a little bit last year. Yeah, they kept changing managers as well, so that can't help in terms of consistency. No, but his talent's there for for everyone to see. I think he got he got Player of the Year a couple of times in here. Um, yeah, 
and then we sold him as we always seem to do with our players of the year at that period. So yeah, Tom Kearney without a doubt. Even though obviously some really good players there, Tom stood out for me. Yeah, yeah. When when that season was unfolding, and you, you, let's say with with eight or ten games to go, what what was the belief like in the squad? Did you think you could nick that that final playoff place, or did did it sort of happen unexpectedly, as it were? No, for, for me, I think we started quite slow, didn't we, that season? Yeah. I, think, I think it were like a bedding in process of sort of weaning people out of the squad, perhaps that that Gary Boyer didn't want there, and getting his team there and a change of sort of mentality a little bit. Oh, we're Premier League to now we're in the Championship and this is what we've got to do to get out of it. I think as the season went on, that consistency came and and I think I think in within the squad we we believed we should have been in the top six. It, well, it certainly went to the last game of the season, didn't it? Because I think there had to be a sequence of results. Yeah, um, and at one point they were going in our favour, but we, we I think we had to win by three clear goals or something to overturn Wigan's. Yeah, well, it was, goal difference. It, was it was Wigan that we were playing because I I, I, I weren't playing that game. I remember I, I'd got injured in the game before I think it was, so I was watching and we were two up, and obviously you're on your phones looking at um, other scores and things like that. Real time league table. <laughs> yeah, but no, it was frustrating. I mean, there's there's two fixtures that stick out in that towards the back end of that season where. <laughs> You kind of look back and think, oh, what what could have been? Because I think we would, might have been three one up at Sheffield Wednesday and ended up drawing three all in the ninety fifth minute, and then we drew to Yeovil, who were well and truly relegated nil nil. I remember home. that game. Um, those sort of games, you actually think, oh, like, that that's the difference. But but it's like like I keep saying, it's football, and it's one of them things that you look back on with a little bit of, of regret and think yeah. what could have been, but that's what life's, life's like, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, we, we've never been that close since. I mean, that's the um, that's a ridiculous thing. What what was Gary Bowyer's style like as, as, a, as a coach, as a manager? How did he set the team up? I really enjoyed working under him. First and foremost, he's a, he's a great guy, and I think that helped because the lads liked him, so they wanted to play well for him and wanted to, wanted to do well for him. That's the general consensus I got from from the lads, and probably a couple will, will say otherwise. But he had good people in as well in terms of um, Shorty, Tony Grant. That again, the lads liked, and he did, yeah. did do a lot of a lot of shape stuff, a lot of tactical stuff. And, and like for me, it, it worked well. And to be honest, we had that many good players, you could you could do anything, and and the lads would take to it because they were they were switched on, and they were talented, and yeah. I say the frustrating thing for me is that we didn't do anything. <laughs> um, yeah, if we'd if we'd started the season even remotely, like we finished it, yeah, we'd, well, we'd probably been in the shout for automatic promotion, and certainly with uh, Rudy and uh, and Jordan up front. Yeah, exactly. It was, uh, it's it's a pairing that we've uh, we've never matched subsequently. Mm. But all good things come to an end, as they say. So mm. when your when your contract was up at Blackburn, how was that? How was that handled? How much notice were you given, or? How big a surprise was it that the, you weren't going to be offered extra t- an ex- extended contract? It was ongoing for a while. Paul Lambert actually pulled me in in January and said, look, I'm selling Olsen because I want you to play. So I was like, all right, okay, that's good. <laughs> um, and he said, I, I want to sort your contract out as well. Then I think he got frustrated with perhaps funds or a budget yeah. for the year after. And, and he said, like, they're not willing to sort anything out like at all at, at all at the moment. So like all right, and then he said, obviously he's leaving, and then it came to May, and the season had finished, and I think there were about nine 
nine or ten lads out of contract and none of us knew we'd not given been given an answer because obviously there's no manager there but the thing with the contracts is the club has to notify the FA at a certain point who they're keeping and who they're not and that's how I found out on Sky Sports News when they said that so when the retain list was public yeah yeah when they just said that they'd released so and so so and so so it was one of them where I was like oh right thanks yeah. yeah but I kind of obviously have to cover you back a little bit so as soon as the season finished I was like well I'm going to have to look for something else because I've not been told and then I think um, it was the towards the end of May I think when uh, Coyle got the job and then he rang me saying that they wanted to offer me a contract which like, oh, at first, first thought obviously I was really happy that, that they wanted to keep me but um, it was it was just it wasn't a great great offer um, <laughs> just just above insulting but not quite to yeah it, it was high it was it, my con- they wanted to cut my contract in half um, really which which knowing obviously the situation with other lads was just ridiculous because yeah. he's making out as if I was going to play every week so yeah and by that point Preston showed, showed interest as well and and they'd offered me a three-year deal whereas Blackburn were only offered me a one-year deal so I had to no go contest. go yeah. with the the security of, of three years. Go over to the dark side, which which yeah. we'll not talk about. No, like it's one of them where you, you don't want you don't want to leave, but you have to do what's right. And of course you do. And what you're worth as well. It's it's one of them where you it's it's a no contest, like you said. Well, football is a short career, and in your instance, it's shorter than perhaps it should have been. Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately. So I mean, yeah, exactly that. So at what point did you accept? That your career was coming to an end. Well, I'd gone on. I'd gone on loan to Fleetwood in my last year at Preston because I wanted to play games, and I'd started playing centre back at Preston, and I'd started my second season there really well, and kind of come from the outside to to start in the season, and and started it really well, and then it were in training. I uh, did my medial ligaments in my knee, and then I only played one game. Then when I came back from injury, because the lads had done that well. You've just got to hold your hands up and say, I can't do anything. Um, it's football, it's one of them situations. But um, so it came to the end of the season, and I said to Alex Neil, Look, I, I kind of want to play games. I don't want to sit and not be involved or be on the bench. Like, I'm, I was 30 at the time. Like, I, I said, I can still get a decent contract somewhere, probably in the Championship, if I go and do well somewhere this year. Flea was more of a convenient club because it was close, and my wife was was pregnant and due to give birth in the November of that season. So right. I wanted to stay close close yeah, yeah. To, to where we are now. So it worked out that I went there and um it was just a, just playing in a in a game against Barnsley, I think it was. Just went flying into a tackle and felt something kinda of go in my in my hip, like groin area and um a couple of operations later and a couple of conversations the surgeon just said, Look, you're not you're not going to get back. We'll need, we'll need to replace your hip. So really, that was that was that. How do you come to terms with that when you sort if you sort of sit back and think, well, that's possibly even five years of a career that I'm not going to have. You read well, I read so many autobiographies about players who lose their careers in that in that way. How do you how do you go about coming to terms with it? Well, I, it was it was one of them. It's Obviously, when you have the conversation, I'd had the two operations to try and repair what was going on in my hip, but the surgeon had kind of said, "Look, it's going to be difficult." So I kind of had it in my head, but when right. when I actually 
when he actually it weren't until probably when I had my the actual operation when I came round and and kind of said to people that um I'm having to retire and people saying nice things that actually hit me that oh this is it even though obviously I'd, like I'd been planning obviously for after football um a few it's years not quite ago that soon. yeah but just not quite that soon it all came quicker than you thought but it's 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 been difficult but like life goes on I'm not one to to mope around and and kind of blame things and and what have you got like obviously I've got my wife and my little boy and and like you say life goes on there's more important things than, than playing football for me and it's it's just a story that's ended in a part of a, a sort of chapter in my life that's ended and and now I'm I'm quite excited for for what's for what's coming now ready for the next act good for you and that must include broadcasting them the radio lancashire gig <laughs> is uh, is something you seem to have taken uh, taken close to heart how's that going it's it's all right i enjoy i do enjoy it to be honest um and preston have been good with um their website games as well that that i do it's it's something i found a little bit more difficult than perhaps i thought it was going to be um to start off with it's not just one of them where you're just chatting with your mate and you can use any sort of language it's it's completely <laughs> different um when you've got they voices. put you on a three-second delay, do they, at Radio Wanks? <laughs> no, it's um, it's one of them where you've got voices in your ears and, and yeah. you kind of think, oh, you don't talk now, and you talk now, and it's you get your timings a little bit better. But it's it's something I I do enjoy doing. It keeps me watching games, and <clears throat> obviously I miss it. So the next best thing is is either coaching or or sort of commentating on on it, and especially with at the moment pressing because there's a, a lot of lads there that obviously I got on, you know, got on yeah. really well with and know so um, yeah. it's nice going back Coaching you mentioned to me back in October that was something you potentially were looking at Yeah it's I've I've kind of had like a year now where I've been exploring different options and coaching was um, while I was playing was definitely not an option I wanted to go down but i kind of been pushed into it a little bit and, and once I started it I really enjoyed it and like I say, last time we spoke, I was still need to finish off my B license, but um, I'm still doing little bits of coaching. But I'm I'm actually doing um, doing the football up at Stonyhurst College now, so it's I'm really enjoying sort of taking the couple of teams that they've got up there and yeah. still keeping my hand in. Obviously, doing I want to do my teaching degree as well, which is something oh, okay. I'm looking to get into as well, so it's still figuring out a route really that I want to go down. So I've got my fingers in a few, few pies, as they say. Fantastic, fantastic. Well, listen, you, you're welcome. You, we don't pay, as you, you've already <laughs> gathered, but yeah, <laughs> we do it for the love. Yeah, this is a, this is a not profit website. Yeah. Uh, but thank you so much for, for giving your time. It's been really, really uh, fantastic chatting with you. Um, all the very, very best, Tommy. Whichever uh, avenue your career takes you from now on, I wish you all the very best. And, and thanks for for giving up your time this evening to talk to us. No worries. Thanks for having me. Um, hopefully, I'll see you. At a- at a game soon enough. That'd be great. That'd be absolutely fantastic. Thanks, Tommy. Cheers, mate. Thanks once again to our special guest, Tommy Spur, and also the boys from the Symmetry Band for all the music that you've heard in this episode. 
And lastly, thanks to you for listening. We really appreciate it. See you soon. Podcast Network. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.